everybody, welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one half of the show. My name is Jeff. Joining me from the uh, infirmary uh, in the Pacific Northwest is the other half of the show, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, is the is the life support still working? Yeah, yeah. So far, so good, man. I don't know if it was something I ate or what, but wow, I uh, I'm I'm feeling interestingly uh, odd. Is that is that even? Can you even use Com- that? No, it's comfortably. It's, it's comfortably numb. Comfortably, comfortably numb. numb. That's what I am. Yeah, but you know what? Nothing soothes an ailment like baseball history, my friend. Or baseball. I like the Caribbean series. Have you been yeah, watching? I've been this? watching. Yeah, this is a, this is the first on my list for our BP segment today. Is the Caribbean series? Is it, I say Caribbean. Is it Caribbean or Caribbean? Or is I it say, tomato tomato? It depends on if you're in Disney or not. Oh. Okay, what yeah. what do Disney people say? Caribbean. All right, I'm going to go with Caribbean then. There you go. The uh, Caribbean series on ESPN Plus, which I don't think it's ever been there before because I haven't certainly haven't seen it, but it's been a lot of fun. Good to see also when uh, when you're watching the DR games that Robinson Cano still uh, yeah has the longest at bats on the planet. He does. He does. He's uh, the modern human rain delay. Yeah, Mike Hargrove. He is the uh, he. he Assumes he is the star of the show every at bat. <laughs> That's it. That's it right there. Just he takes forever. But let's get to some other things here in our BP segment before we get into the main part. Now, first of all, Mark, I, I texted you about this earlier in the week. I got other people that were sending us DMs about this. The Mariners have done something that has physically upset me. Like I am I am angry at this. I'm triggered and it might preclude me from watching a single Mariners road game the entire season. Yes, I, I know. You weren't real happy with the uniform choices. No. So the Mariners have retired their gray road jerseys. How do you, as a professional baseball team, retire a gray road jersey? Yeah, I'm not sure. What, okay. So they're just going to wear those high school navy blue jerseys. Those are their road jerseys for this upcoming year is what they've said. Right. Which, if you've listened to this at all, you know they disgust me. They make me make me physically angry. Like <laughs> I would, I would punch a baby if there was one in front of me. When I see those, they are just—they are not professional baseball quality uniforms. Now they are going to wear them eighty-one times a year. They say, but what happens if they go into I don't know somewhere like Cleveland? or Minnesota or somewhere where they have got, as the home team, they get to decide what jersey they're going to wear first. What if they wear a solid blue jersey? What are the Mariners going to do? Yeah, that would be weird. Uh, You you can't have two full-color blue teams out there. If I am a a team that has a alternate (laughs) navy blue jersey, I'm wearing it every time the Mariners come to town. I, they go shirts and skins? What happens? Ooh. I don't know. Man, that sounds uh, scary. <laughs> well, I don't think... Vogelbach's not on the team anymore. Wow. <laughs> no, no, we make fun of that, but uh, we also traded pictures of Daniel Vogelbach is looking slim and ready to go right now, my friend. He's looking good, I gotta say. Yeah, he lost half a, a Vogelbach. He's yeah. just Vogel now. Is his name. <laughs> <laughs> he, he lost the back. Uh, Let's see. I got some other things here. An actual baseball history thing here. Uh, I found this out because I was looking through. uh, There was a a thread on social media about, hey, give us a rule change that would be fun. 
and I was reading some of these and somebody said no batting order. <laughs> like everybody's <laughs> everybody has got a bat at least one, you know, once before you can somebody bats twice, but no batting order. And it led me down this because of it's like reading the 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 reasoning actually was pretty interesting and it led me down a rabbit hole. And up until the 1880s, you didn't have to turn in a lineup card to the umpire when the game started. Hmm. So you could send up the first time through the order anybody you wanted, but that was then your batting order. Right. But think about it. You put your leadoff batter there. If you go one, two, three, maybe you don't want your cleanup batter leading off with nobody on. Maybe you put up, you know, another leadoff type batter. See if they can get on and then put up your your number four batter or your number two, I guess, is where you put your best batter now. It was bring interesting. a whole new level of strategy. It really would. And it, it's interesting. So Cap Anson, noted racist, but Hall of Famer, in particular was noted for, for this, uh, using the strategy to his advantage when he would send up his batters. In the first inning, first three batters get on base, he would put his best available hitter to bat fourth. But as I said before, if they go one, two, three, he would send up another leadoff type batter to lead off the second, saving his better hitters for when he had guys on base. Nice. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I don't hate it. I, this is something I could see like the Savannah Bananas doing. Maybe, you know, the Atlantic League. Maybe this is something they try. It's, it's completely different, but I am on board for it. Just try it in a, a couple games. See, see how it goes. Yeah, or spring training. Sure. Yeah, I don't. I know. I thought it was. A, I thought it was a good idea. Interest. I'm not going to say good. I thought it was interesting. It was better than a lot of the other. <laughs> things. Yeah, I imagine so. Like I'm all for to start off an inning. The first person that gets on each half inning, they decide whether they want to go to first and round the bases counterclockwise, or go to third and round the bases clockwise. I am. Mm. I am all for this. Let's yeah. start our own league. And these are the rules. That's it. That it. There you go. Found something very interesting. It uh, involves Yogi Berra and Sex in the City. <laughs> wow. I can't wait to hear this one. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, they could be a million different stories because those two are often intertwined. Oh, but, yes. Uh, New York Yankees legend Yogi Berra filed a $10 million lawsuit against TBS claiming that the network used his name in a racy advert for uh, its Sex in the City. You know, they were rerunning the show. The ad gave three possible definitions for the word yogasm. Oh, jeez. One okay. type of yo-yo trick. Two, what Samantha has with guys from yoga class. Or uh, B, uh, adult relations with Yogi Berra. Ah, I see. So Barrasuit claimed that the ad, quote, engenders a moral taint that has damaged his otherwise spotless reputation, end quote. <laughs> no word on what became of the suit. I didn't care <laughs> that much to figure out more about it, but I saw Sex in the City and Yogi Bear, and I had to investigate more. Yeah, that's uh, an interesting combo. Um, maybe we should start working on some other combinations. That uh, of TV shows and ballplayers, you know, for example, um, Chris Speaker and Three's Company. What what do they have in common? He's the, he takes over the Mister Furley role. <laughs> oh god, now we're getting real weird. Okay, <laughs> uh, we got a lot of response from last week's show. We were talking about 
players with nicknames uh, of titles that they might not have actually earned. Right. Specifically, like the mayor and uh, some other things, of which I did put some research in to see if there had been an election, and there had not. Uh, all of this, of course, came from Babe Ruth, who is was no sultan nor king. Got a bunch of them from a couple of different listeners. Got a lot of kings, first of all. I mean, we forgot, like, King Felix. Sure. Uh, king Carl Hubble. King Kelly. We did a whole episode on King Kelly. Oh, geez, yeah. there, there were a bunch of kings, which, as far as I can tell, again, there is no lineage to prove that they actually served as rulers of a kingdom. Let's see. We also got some earls. Now, I didn't know this one, and this, I'm assuming, is up from, from your neck of the woods. The Earl of Snohomish. Earl oh, Torgerson. Torgerson. Yeah, I don't, I've yeah. never heard of Earl Torgerson. Oh, uh, yeah, I just know him because uh, I believe I was in Snohomish, and something happened where I figured it out. Anyway, I don't know if that's the right Snohomish, but it sure seems like it. Yeah, well, I doubt he was an earl because as far as I know, uh, Snohomish has never had an earl rule over it. They're not a fiefdom. No. How about we Duke Snyder, the Duke of Flatbush? The Duke of Flatbush. That one, I think he actually was uh, voted in as the Duke of Flatbush. So we'll, we'll take that one. The Knight of Kennett Square. Yes. Herb Pennock. I didn't know that. I know who Herb Pennock is. I didn't know that. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Count of Luxembourg. Ooh, I don't know that one. Heine Mine. Okay. Now, I don't know who Heine Mine is, but I like the name. Why does he even need a nickname if you're named Heine Mine? Uh, let's see. The Duke of Paducah. Uh, Phil Roof? Phil Roof, absolutely. He was the manager of the Salt Lake Buzz when I was there. Sure, yeah. Long time uh, twins. I think he was a catcher, wasn't he? Pretty sure he was. Uh, the Kentucky Colonel, Earl Combs. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, no, there's no R in the word colonel for some reason. Colonel. I'm colonel. just going to start calling them colonels. That's re- that's the dumbest word <laughs> it sounds, ever. It sounds like something you have to have once you turn 40. <laughs> uh, here's one. Uh, John Watham was known as the Duke. We've covered that. He did a very good impersonation of John Wayne. Uh, let's see. The mayor of Ding Dong City. <laughs> oh, that one I don't know. Travis Shaw. <laughs> mayor of Ding Dong City. Been there. Didn't like it. Uh, let's see. Roger Bresnahan was known as the Prince of Traley. I don't know. I, I, I know who Roger Bresnahan was. I don't know the Prince of Traley. But there's a lot of them. And again, I, I'm really casting a lot of doubt that these people were ever lawfully ascended to these titles. Yes, uh, we got a, I, basically that whole list we got from our buddy Marshall. Yep, he uh, he sent it. I, we've got we got two or three of them. I mean, some of these are, are, are crossovers, but uh, we appreciate yeah. that. That was, uh, that, was, <laughs> that was a lot more names than I was expecting to have to go over today. Uh, speaking of things that listeners send us, let's get to, into trivia. So uh, the question that I asked last week was, which member of the 500 Home Run Club has the most inside the park home runs included in that 500 home runs? Now, Mark, you went on a run here recently where you were you were getting these left and right. Meaning, yes. Meaning two in a row, which I think are the only two you might have ever answered correctly. But nonetheless, <laughs> they were consecutive. That's a streak. Uh, that's since been snapped, but are you ready to start a new one? Do you have a, do you have a guess? Um, 
I, I have a guess. I don't know. I don't know how accurate it's going to be. All right. All right. I'm going to say Ernie Banks. Uh, Ernie Banks is nowhere to be found on the top of this okay. list. <laughs> well, he had 500 home runs, you know. <laughs> so the correct answer is Babe Ruth. I think oh. when it's a home run question like that, you, Babe Ruth's always a pretty good assumption. Uh, but Babe Ruth, nine of his home runs were inside the park jobs. Now, no it, now, five of those nine were at Yankee Stadium, where if you remember, center field was at times anywhere between 460 to 490 feet away. Right. There are no monuments at this point, but just literally a field out there where you could, if you got it past an outfielder, you can run all day, he was yeah. probably chugging beers and slamming some hot dogs around in second base. He probably could have walked home. This is pretty expansive out there. Uh, after those nine by Babe Ruth, Jimmy Fox, good old double X, had seven. Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle had six apiece. We did get some right answers from uh, some of our usual listeners, Brian Krause, Shane Swarsnack, Danny Clark, and Alan Armas. A couple of new names there. I like it. Nice. Yeah. Welcome. welcome good job, guys. Welcome to the club. So, new trivia question that I will give you the answer next week. This, we're going to get political here. Since we were looking at the, uh, you know, at these people with these, uh, these fake elections where they've won these titles that they didn't actually earn, who was the last player to hit a home run in Major League Baseball while sharing the same last name as the president at the time that they hit it? <laughs> wow, we're digging deep here. Hey, these are these. If it was easy, it wouldn't be called trivia, would it? It would just a good be. point. No, and and with our listeners, they're going to get easy ones too too quickly. So you you got it. You got to throw the uh, the ethos every once in a while. Yeah. Now I think you can get. I mean, I don't think there's any baseball players currently playing named Biden. I don't no. think there's ever been a Trump in the major leagues. Pretty sure there hasn't been an Obama. Um, I'll let you just work backwards from there. Okay. I'm just giving you some hints. But All right. That's going to do it for our BP segment. Uh, Mark, I feel I feel stretched out. I'm, I'm ready to go. Are you ready to get into the main segment of the show? Yeah, I got a little cramp, but uh, I just need to run it off. Yeah, I'm fine. Well, you're DHing today, so don't worry about it. Just go point. into the trainer's room until you're, you're at bat. Uh, Mark, I've been sharing pictures. Uh, we got a bunch of pictures from Fantasy Camp this week. I've been sharing them with you. And uh, I was I was trying to figure out what should we talk about this week. And I was looking through these pictures, and wa- uh, I saw pictures from our very first game, the very first game that we played at camp. And I remember, I think it was either, I think it was my second at-bat. I'm up there. Again, first time I've seen a live human being throwing a ball at me from a mound, 60 feet six inches away since I was uh, in literally like fifth grade and I got nailed with I wore one now let's be honest nobody is throwing nobody's throwing very fast but it still hurts I took it in the back didn't rub it and uh, we were playing Dallas Braden's team and Dallas Braden is uh, encouraging his pitcher saying all right all right that's no problem didn't hurt anybody and uh, to which I had to give Dallas Braden a, a serious look as to who he was talking to, because that did hurt. And I I still have a little bit of a bruise today, a month almost afterwards. So I wanted to talk about hit by pitches. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of a broad subject, but I'm like, 
I think I, I think I got enough here, and I found some really interesting stuff. So first of all, I just want to read you the rule in case you are unfamiliar with it. It is rule 5.05B that says a batter becomes a base runner and is awarded first base when he or his equipment except for his bat, is touched by a pitched ball outside the strike zone, and he attempts to avoid it or had no opportunity to avoid it, and he did not swing at the pitch. The rule awarding first base to a batter hit by pitch was first instituted in 1887. So before that, you could just hit people as much as you want. <laughs> They're just thinking to take it. It's a ball. That's, you know, I love baseball, but I don't think I'd want to play that one. Well, it was it was like eight balls to walk at that point too. So you could technically if, if they called balls. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Now this rule does not get called to the letter of the law. If you sit there and don't move and get hit, you generally get to take your base. Yes. Uh, I will talk about some some instances where that was not the case, but yeah, I actually got hit twice during camp. I got that one in the back, and then I had one where I kind of jackknifed out and it brushed across my jersey, which oh okay, you know, bags a bag. I, my my uh, my on base <laughs> percentage was over five hundred, so very nice, man. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to look first of all at some hit by pitch leaders throughout uh, the history of baseball. The modern era, we talk about this a lot. It is considered after 1901. The record in the modern era is held by Hall of Famer Craig Biggio, who was hit 285 times during his 20-year career. Yes, he uh, passed Don Baylor, I believe. Yeah, so uh, he led the league in hit-by-pitches five times. Before Biggio, as you said, the modern era record belonged to Don Baylor, who was hit 267 times. (laughs) Goodness gracious. But the thing is... uh, Batters are getting hit a lot more than they have at any point in the history of baseball right now. All right, so I mentioned the modern era. Craig Biggio is the leader that's since 1901. If we want to go back all the way since the start of the game, since they started keeping statistics, the leader is actually fellow Hall of Famer Huey Jennings, who was hit 287 times over his (laughs) career. So two more than Biggio. (laughs) He had some banner years of getting plunked, too. Yeah, and this guy played till he was 49. Now, yeah. he did, the last time he was hit by a pitch, he was 34. But he did keep playing till he was 49. And 287, that's, that's a lot of uh, pitches to be hit by. So what I'm seeing, though, is if Biggio and Jennings are in the Hall of Fame, does that mean there's an easy way to punch your ticket to Cooperstown and all you have to do is be the all-time leader and hit by pitches? Uh, sure. I found the cheat code. <laughs> yes, it's the cheat code. I, I, you know what? And you, uh, you got a good start on it by getting hit twice. Yeah, twice. Yeah, yeah, twice in six games. So I'm, I'm on my way. Uh, so Jennings was much more than just a hit by pitch guy, and is deservedly in the Hall of Fame. He managed the Tigers for a long time, and he did kind of the impossible. He managed Ty Cobb who kind of, <laughs> you know, did what he wanted to. But we've talked about in the past that game in 1912 when Cobb was suspended. We're not going to get into why because there's, I don't think we anybody really knows the full story, but he was suspended and his teammates actually had his back and they refused to play as well. So Jennings went in, as we talked about, went and found some guys on the street corner and they suited up and played a game. Well, I'm not going to say they played. They were on the field. They showed up. <laughs> they showed up. 
But uh, Jennings and his coaches also played in this game. So Jennings at one point came to bat as a pinch hitter, and the umpire asked him, hey, who are you batting for? Jennings said, quote, none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> so the umpire wrote down on his lineup sheet, quote, Jennings batted for exercise. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Huey Jennings also holds the all-time record for hit-by-pitch in a season with 51. Now, in the modern era, Ron Hunt just missed tying or passing that mark when he was plunked 50 times for the 1971 Expos. Yeah, so Hunt was quoted as saying, quote, some people give their bodies to science. I gave mine to baseball, end quote. (laughs) He was notorious for leaning over the plate, daring pitchers to pitch inside so that he could get hit or get a pitch that he could get a hold of it infuriated pitchers and managers they didn't want to hit him but when they you know happened to hit him they really really hoped it hurt like they weren't sad to hit him (laughs) Uh, especially since hunt had the uh, habit of tossing the ball back to the pitcher after it had hit him the pitchers did not care for that from 1968 to 1974 hunt led the league and hit by pitch every year and ended up with 243 career hit-by-pitches. Hunt is also one of the handful of players to be hit by a pitch three times in a single game. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, you got to get in that ice bath as soon as you're done with that game. Now, one of a a player that we've certainly talked about and brought this up before is Mark Lemke when it comes to hit-by-pitches. 3,664 plate appearances, zero career hit-by-pitches. Yes. That is the record for career plate appearances without being hit by a pitch. After his playing days were over, Lemke actually became a knuckleball pitcher in the Atlantic League for two seasons where he hit seven batters. (laughs) That's not very fair. No, he had uh, ended up with a uh, record of throwing wild pitches in nine consecutive plate appearances to batters. He made the Hall of Shame. Over two seasons on the mound, Lemke finished with a 5-2 and two record, but an 8.17 ERA, gave up <laughs> 42 hits in 26 innings, struck out 20, walked 37, 37 walks in 26 innings, and his whip was 2.174. <laughs> and he still won games. Somehow. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was definitely a, a an offensive league. Do you remember Brandon Geyer? I can't say that I do. So he played for seven years in the big leagues. He came up and played uh, five years with the Rays in 2011 and then three with Cleveland. His career total base on balls, 91. Career hit by pitches, 85. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> His nickname, La Pinata. Very apropos. <laughs> Uh, some more records. Just last season, the New York Mets set a league record for most times hit by a pitch in a season when they were hit 106 times. Goodness gracious. The previous record was set way back when by the Cincinnati Reds back in 2021. So the team mark for hit by a pitch has been broken twice in the last two seasons. So... <laughs> As I said, people are getting hit a lot people more. People are days. getting flunked. People yeah. are crowding the plate, maybe. Well, and you know, everybody wears so much protection up there too. There's not as much fear right. of of getting hit like that. Going the other way, pitchers who have hit the most batters 
Gus Weighing holds the all-time mark with 277. Gus had a couple of nicknames. One was Cannonball, Rubber Arm Gun, and Rubber Winged Gus. <laughs> so he pitched a lot. This was, oh, this was quite a ways back. He was the last player also to take the field without a glove of any sort for defense. Okay. So, so, yeah, he was out there hitting batters, and he didn't even have to drop his glove if someone charged the pitcher's box at that point. He's ready <laughs> he to go. Just, he could just get in the boxer's stance. Yeah. It, yeah. It's uh, probably his defense. Yeah, that was, as soon as he released the ball, I think this was an uh, underhand, uh, elbow-must-be-locked type situation, too. So, uh, Gus also had some run-ins with the law that I did want to mention, uh, including being arrested in January of 1892 when he was accused of stealing pigeons from a Louisville pigeon show. Oh, well, who hasn't done that? Yeah, I was good. I have I've written down right here, to be fair, who has not shoved a pigeon in their pocket at one of those right. big fancy pigeon shows? Right. I, I mean, come on. They're begging for it. That's uh, right. Now, it should be mentioned that Gus was later acquitted at trial. So maybe he paid for the pigeon. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Also, in January 1901, he married Mamie Garrick, a future cousin of uh, the New York Yankees star, Lou Garrick. Nice. Yeah, getting in early. In the modern era, Walter Johnson, the big train, holds the mark. He hit 205 batters over his career. A couple of other single season and single game marks by pitchers. Phil Nell plunked 54 batters in 1891. And the record for most hit batters in a game by a single pitcher is six, held jointly by Ed Nuff and John Grimes. Well, I have wow. never heard of any of these guys. When, no, me neither, but wow. If you're hitting that many <laughs> batters in a game yeah. in a season, I can see why we might not have heard of you. You might have a control issue. I did hit my fair share of batters when I was on the Fantasy Camp. Hey, man, that, that outer part of the plate, that's yours, pal. Yeah, I know. And, you know, I was really, it was just a tickle when I hit them. It was, uh, not, yes. I'm not throwing heat. So I wanted to talk about some notable hit by pitches. So we're going to start off with Ray Chapman, who we've talked about before. And I think most, you know, knowledgeable baseball fans know the story of Ray Chapman of the Cleveland Indians. He was hit in the head by Carl Mays on August 16th, 1920, and died the next morning. Now, Chapman was known to dive over the plate when batting. Reports are that he did not even move when the pitch struck him, meaning that he never saw the ball and thus they couldn't get out of the way. But Ray Chapman is the only known death caused by a hit by pitch during a baseball game, a professional baseball game at least. Yikes. May 31st, 1968, Don Drysdale hit Dick Dietz with a pitch that would have forced in a run and would have ended Drysdale's scoreless streak at 44. Now, we talked about earlier the rule saying that you have to make an attempt to get out of the way, but that rule is rarely enforced. Well, umpire Harry Wendelstadt ruled that Dietz made no effort to avoid the pitch, made him get back in the batter's box, and Dietz proceeded to fly out, and Drysdale's scoreless streak continued up until uh, he had thrown 58 and two-thirds scoreless innings consecutively. It's interesting. That was a yeah. the big moment. The rule was enforced there. I know Drysdale was a knock him down kind of pitcher. Well, uh, this one was right down the middle of the plate. <laughs> Just he happened to stick his elbow right there. 
<laughs> he like Reggie stuck his hip out when uh, when that yeah then the, it the, should have been a double play the throw from second or short yeah exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Pittsburgh Pirate Doc Ellis. Now, obviously, most people know Doc Ellis because of the uh, the game that he, the, the no-hitter he threw, supposedly well on acid. Well, Doc Ellis is it, was an interesting character, I will say that. Uh, he once tried to hit every Cincinnati Red during a game in 1974. <laughs> Why? <laughs> so, he thought, I mean, this is, remember, this is big red machine territory here. When the Reds were the big bad baddies in the National League, and Doc thought that his team, the Pirates, who were you know a very good team, this is a really good team. He yeah. thought his team was afraid of the big red machine, so he wanted to show both the Reds as well as his own teammates that he wasn't afraid of anybody. So he hit the first three batters and then accidentally walked Tony Perez, and he accidentally walked him because he was trying to hit him as well. <laughs> but he had a hard time because Perez, seeing what had happened in front of him, went up to the box. He did not dig in to the plate at all and was actually bailing out on each pitch, having seen what had happened. So Ellis threw behind Perez, trying to get him as he backed out of the box. <laughs> but he missed and walked him. So then uh, up, up comes Johnny Bench, two pitches at Bench's head that he ducks out of the way, and then he was removed from the game. My goodness. Now, see, I, I don't think I'd throw at Johnny Bench. Well, I mean, I like Johnny Bench. I wouldn't throw at him either, but, I mean, there's some other big dudes on the Reds team that I wouldn't throw at either. But that was the point. Doc Ellis was out there right. to, to show, because apparently the Reds had kind of been yucking it up in the in the dugout before the game as well. He kind of looked in his own dugout, and everybody was already kind of defeated. And so he went out there, and he said, I'm going to hit every one of these you-know-whats and show them that we're here too. So, you know, I respect him for it. It might not have been the right way to go about it, but... Well, he's trying to do something. Yeah, trying to help his team out. All right, a little bit more recently, Lord knows we've talked about this enough, but we're going to talk about it some more. August 4th, 1993. Robin Ventura becomes the first batter to be hit six times in one at-bat. That's, of course, because uh, Ventura charged Nolan Ryan on, on this point. Here's Ventura, RBI single in the first. Watch out. Look at this. Not a lot of talking going on there by Hawk, which is a rarity, but <laughs> I think everybody that is listening knows what's going on there. <laughs> yeah, that, that is just a uh, hilarious moment. Just, I mean, it had to work out specifically perfect for him to get, get Ventura in a headlock like that. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It's one of my favorites. I'm reading one of Tim Kirkjian's books. Uh, right now, and it just so happens he's got, uh, which also led to, to this subject of hit-by-pitches, because he had a chapter on hit-by-pitches, and uh, Robin Ventura is actually in there, and this is the quote about that uh, that incident here from Robin Ventura himself. He said, quote, he threw so hard, and it hurts so much, I didn't know what I was doing. I just took off after him because of the pain. I got about halfway to the mound, came to my senses and said, what am I doing charging Nolan Ryan? But I couldn't turn back at that point. End quote. <laughs> That's awesome. 
<laughs> so, I mean, you know, when you get mad sometimes, you just, you see red and you just, you act impulsively. And that's what he did. But when you're halfway to the pitcher's mound at a major league ballpark, you can't like turn around and say, ah, oh, no, no. Yeah, you're committed. Yeah. So I watched that whole brawl again and all i did was kept my eyes on bo jackson and he is literally just tossing people around and then he gets in the middle and people are trying to pull and push everybody except for him nobody's touching him and i don't blame him i mean he just looked like a man amongst boys in the middle of that that scrum but all right Some other uh, more recent hit-by-pitches. September 28th, 1995, Kirby Puckett of the Twins is hit by a pitch thrown by Dennis Martinez. It struck him in the cheek. It was a fastball. It broke his jaw and loosened two teeth. It would end up being the last regular season at bat for uh, Kirby Puckett ever. During spring training the following year, he developed glaucoma which, of course, ended his career. Puckett is on record as saying that Martinez's pitch had nothing to do with his glaucoma, and he held no ill will towards Denny. Hmm. El, El Presidente. Hey, was he elected Presidente? Oh, no, I think we mentioned that last week. I, I was going to okay. say otherwise. Why did nobody send that in? <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I mentioned that one last week, so we'll, we'll let our listeners on that. And yes, because you said, yes, he was the president of Central America. <laughs> Which I did look it up, Mark, and there is no uh, country called Central America. What? Actually, actually, a bunch of countries are considered Central America, and they do not have, uh, they they are all sovereign. There is no one leader for them, so. Well, I I stand corrected. Yeah, it happens. Once in a while. All right, and the last one I wanted to talk about, July 25th, 1999. Albert Bell versus Shigatoshi Hasegawa. Getting Shiggy with it. One of the best uh, timely nicknames, because that's right about when that song was popular, getting Shiggy with it. Uh, But he didn't want to take his base after Hasegawa hit him in the bottom of the 11th inning. Now, Bell had three home runs in the game already and no doubt wanted to walk it off with his fourth but uh, it didn't happen, and he uh, he wanted to stay back. 16 times. I guess he was either 17th or three in a game. Yep. Albert's last one came, three home run day, that is, in a Cleveland Indian uniform, and Hasegawa came up and in and hit Albert Bell. And Albert obviously not pleased, or did it hit him? Yeah, Ed Hickox is saying you've got to go to first base. Well, we've seen this. Now, the funny thing about this is, grazed his nose okay (laughs) this he got hit in the face essentially with a fastball and he does not want to leave home plate he just wants to he wants to hit (laughs) that's so funny and had to be marched down to first base all the time though he's also he's glaring out at the mound and you know that glare from from our bell so you know he was hit (laughs) <laughs> but he did not want to. He wanted to swing the bat, which I can appreciate. But, yeah, absolutely. But uh, there you go. So there's a, a brief history, if you will, of uh, the hit by pitch and some some famous hit by pitches. I'm Very sure nice missed a couple, but that's what I what I had. All right. So Mark, uh, that's going to do it for the main segment of the show. Uh, let's head into everybody's favorite uh, part of the show. 
I don't, I, I say everybody's. Uh, when I'm editing a show, it's not my favorite part, but, uh, and, and usually the outcome is not my favorite part either. But regardless, my opinion doesn't matter. Let's get into uh, this week's edition of Wax Packs Heroes. All right, Mark, looking at the scoreboard, I had a big win last week. Yes, you did. La- uh, Ichiro. Yeah, my last card was Ichiro, which put me over the top, and I am now trailing you just by one. The scoreboard reads 16 to 15. We're playing to 20. You are the two-time defending back-to-back champions. I am the Seattle Mariners in this situation. I've never won a championship. But I'm not retiring my home, my road grays. I'm not. You're, you're definitely putting up a fight this time, man. Yeah. And I'm wearing my road grays today because I'm going to tell you I'm going to go first, too. Okay, okay. So uh, let us review the rules just in case this is your first time here. We're going to open up a couple of packs of baseball cards. We're going to look up said baseball reference war for, not said, we're going to look up the baseball reference war for said players on said cards, and we will add those together. we got a couple of extra things that can get you some... Uh, extra points, anything on the player's face. That means glasses, sunglasses, mustache, eye black, uh, really prominent wart, any of these things, extra tenth of a point. If they are wearing real stirrups where we can see sanitary socks, that's an extra tenth of a point. But if they're two and ones, that's a minus tenth of a point because that's that's just not cool. If they're wearing sweatbands with their caricature jersey number, that's a tenth of a point. Any of their final three seasons in professional baseball were spent at the Kingdome or T-Mobile Field, that's an extra tenth of a point for each season. Two flaps or no flaps on the batting helmet or batting without batting gloves, that's an extra tenth of a point. Any awards, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP, All-Star, Gold Glove, half a point. There's a Hall of Famer on the card, even if they're not who we're talking about, that's an extra point. Ricky Henderson or Nolan Ryan, we pull those. If it's a Ricky Henderson, regardless of who pulls it, that's five points for me. Five if Nolan Ryan is pulled for Mark. And we're each going to pick a team, Mark. And if the player spent that year on that team, we're going to get a half a point for that. So who are you going with today? I think I'm going to go with the Detroit Tigers. Well, I went with the Mariners uh, last week, and that worked out well for me. So I'm just going to go right down the coast, and I'm going to go with my boys, the Oakland Athleticos. Ooh, ooh, this is good. Yeah. Now, we're going to do something a little different today. Uh, We've done this before. So we are going to open up a couple of packs of 1991 AAA baseball cards. Ooh, nice. And now when we did this last time, we're, we're kind of come, you know, we're figuring out how to do this. What we're going to do, since some of these players, well, they didn't make the big leagues in 91, obviously, most of them. We are going to take the highest war year for them in the big leagues, and we will base everything off of that. Awards. Perfect. You know, baseball reference war, all of that. So I've got two packs, Mark, left hand, right hand. Which one would you like? Going right. Going right. All right. Like I said, I am going to go first because I want to wear my road grays. There you go. All right. So uh, we're going to get going here. I'm going to start off with a member of the Sachs family. Uh, it is not Steven, though. It is his brother, Dave Sachs. Now, uh, just let it be known that Dave Sachs at no point was uh, ever on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Right. 
that's a that's a good point. <laughs> Steve Sachs, of course, definitely was. Uh, let's see. Looking at this, uh, here he is with the Columbus Clippers, which I believe were the uh, Yankees farm club at this point. But uh, let's see his best year in the big leagues. He spent f- part of five seasons in the big leagues. His best uh, season was 1986, where he had a WAR of point two. <laughs> That's well, something. that's the only time he was in the positives. Uh, overall, let's see, four games uh, for that year. He hit 455. How are you not giving him more abs with a home run and an RBI, a 239 OPS plus? He is he is 239% better than the average player <laughs> that year, and he's only got 11 at bats. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that that would have held up too if he got 500 at bats. Yeah. So uh, here he is. He's he's behind home plate. This is a staged photo. Uh, he's got his uh, his batting helmet doesn't have any uh, it doesn't have any ear flaps on it. But I, I can't go with that. And I think he was actually with the Red Sox at this point. I did not know that Columbus was ever a Red Sox affiliate, but uh, it sure <laughs> appears as if it was. Of course, uh, brother to Steve Sachs, who we mentioned. We mention him all the time because, of course, he was on Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, and uh, had quite a uh, quite a good career. All right, so uh, I'm at least not uh, starting out the bad way. All right, next we have got pitcher, or no, I'm sorry, outfielder for the Scranton-Wilkesbury Red Barons. It's Jim Lindeman. Jim Lindeman. Lindeman. Yeah. Did yes. I, okay. I believe I remember him. I think he, for some reason, I want to say he played for the Tigers at some point. He, I believe he, uh, I remember him with St. Louis, Let's but see, I think he, you're right. He did go to the Tigers. Yeah. Oh, one year with the Tigers. He came up with St. Louis, nine years in the big leagues, four with St. Louis, two with Philly, one with the Mets, the Astros, and the Tigers. His best year looks like it was 1991 with a .4. <laughs> really racking up the points here. You might get to a one pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. So 1991. Wow. He appeared in, in 65 games for the Phillies. He hit 337, an on base of 413. Nice. 12 RBIs, uh, 12 RBI, 13 walks, 14 strikeouts, a 129 OPS plus, And as I said, a positive 0.4. Uh, nothing else on this card is going to help me out. Uh, let's see. Overall, he played for nine years in the big leagues. He did a little bit in the postseason. 1987, he was with uh, St. Louis. Oh, first round draft pick by the Cardinals in 1983. I like to mention when that happens. Four career stolen bases, you know, so that's pretty solid. Four more than we've got combined. <laughs> yes, but he's also been caught stealing three times, and I've never been caught stealing. No, and uh, I don't know if this is still true, but at least in 2010, he was coaching freshman golf at Rolling Meadows High School. Nice. All right, next I have got uh, uh, his teammate at the Scranton Wilkesbury Red Barons, infielder Gary Alexander. Okay, getting a lot of real common names here that we're all familiar with. Uh, so Gary Alexander, this Gary Alexander, at least, never made the big leagues, apparently. So, Oh, okay. Uh, and he's got two and ones. So. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, dude? Yeah, that's not cool. All right, so uh, moving on from him. Wow, these are really staged photos. So next I have got an outfielder, and they're all from the Scranton Wilkes. Is this a team set? Uh, Scranton Wilkes-Barre Red Barons. Uh, 
Scott Wade, he's an outfielder, and here he is posed up against the outfield wall as if he's catching a ball against the wall. <laughs> nice. All right, well, it says Scott Wade, minor and Mexican league stats, so that tells me he never made the big leagues. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he definitely did not. He played a lot of AAA ball. Boy, he sure did. Look at that. Man, he played AAA from 1987 all the way to 1995, never got a cup of coffee. That's amazing. That is incredible. He played nine seasons, uh, 752 career games at AAA. Wow. He hit 84 home runs, uh, stole 53 bags, got caught 34. Uh, just That's tough. But, I mean, boy, he stuck with it, didn't he? He was not going to walk away. <laughs> He's like, just call me up for one, one, just game. Just get me in there. But yeah, couldn't do it. Here's a quote from him. As long as you can keep doing it, why go out in the real world? That's a good point. Yeah, yeah good for him. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, I could see that with you or I. You know, if, if a team will have us, yeah. we'll play. <laughs> Wouldn't even have to pay us. All mm. right, so uh, nothing. Oh, he's got a mustache. He's got a good mustache. I cannot wait to share with every. I mean, I've shared some pictures on social media. My mustache from Fantasy Camp. Yeah, right. I think you got a two-pointer personally. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, next, here's a guy we've heard of. He played in the big leagues. I think he, last I knew, he was a batting coach over in, I believe, in Korea. Here he is with the Syracuse Chiefs outfielder, Rob Ducey. Oh, sure. Blue Jays? Yep. So, let's see. Rob Ducey ended up, wow, 13 years he played in the big leagues. And his best war was 1999 with the Philadelphia Phillies, a 1.1. Uh, no awards, but I will get a 1.1 out of that, so I'll take that. It's, it's bigger than just a fraction. Yeah, it's uh, it's not bad. Uh, 104 games hit 261, 383 on base. It's not too bad. Eight home runs, 33 RBI, a 110 OPS plus, and as I said, a 1.1 war. You know, he is wearing those, that, that like, uh, what are we calling those? The the sweater, the sweatshirts with the, with the big, you know, that look like they're plastic, like you're trying to lose weight. Yes. What uh, are those called? He is wearing one of those under his batting practice jersey, but I don't think we're giving extra points out for that. Uh, beyond that, nothing else on this card is going to help me out. Oh, he's currently the, the hitting coach for the Fubon Guardians in the uh, CPBL, not the KBL. Oh, okay. All right. Well, this is uh, this is surprising, but uh, I'm excited for this next card. Uh, a manager card for the Richmond Braves. It's Phil Necro. Oh, nice. <laughs> so going by the rules that we have set forth, do I get a look for his his best war year? Yeah, I think so. All right. I'm all for it. Let's see. That would be 1978 when he was an all star. Gold Glove got Cy Young votes and MVP votes and finished with a 10.0 war. <laughs> oh, man. So I like this rule. And not to mention that he is a Hall of Famer. Yep, you're right. So that will be, let's see, that's 11 plus the All-Star and the Gold Glove. That is a 12-point even. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that I just won with, uh, with yeah, that, that. Yeah, unless, you know. Uh, Hack Wilson managed the team. He's always my go-to. <laughs> Let's see. So this year in the big leagues, with that 10.0 war, he went 19 and 18. 
<laughs> led God. the league in losses. The second of four consecutive years that he led the league in losses. So he went 19 and 18 with a 2.88 ERA. Oh my goodness. 22 complete games to lead the league. Four shutouts. Led the league led the league in innings pitched with 334 and a third. Led the league with hits given up with 295. Led the league in earned runs given up with 107, but still had an ERA of 2.88. Uh, led the league in hit batters, very, uh, you know, apropos for this, uh, this this week's subject, had a 142 ERA plus uh, and uh, did not lead the league in wild pitches. Only had 18 or only had 11. Hmm. So he, he was practicing his control. Yeah, he was already had a really good catcher uh, <laughs> this year, but I'm all for it. All right. I will take that. That might have just won the game for me. Next, we have got a, another. Uh, staged photo where Stu Peterson of the Syracuse Chiefs is again jumping up against the wall, uh, trying to uh, to make a catch against the wall. Way to go, Stu. Get back there on that. Oh, is this Jock Peterson's dad, maybe? I don't know. Let's see. Yep, father of Jock Peterson. There you, there go. you go. Oh, very nice. So Stu Peterson only played for one year in the big leagues. That was in 1985 with the Dodgers. He had a war of minus 0.1. He didn't get into a lot of games. No, he appeared in eight games, uh, four at-bats, one RBI, struck out twice. But you know what? He appeared in a big league game. That's right. So Andy is the father of a, of a good player in Jock Peterson. Yes. Oh, wow, 12 seasons in the minor leagues, but uh, wow. So he made the big leagues in 85 for those uh, eight games, and then he he kept playing until 1992 was his final season. He kept playing, didn't get, a, wow. didn't get another call back up. All right, so uh, I'm down to two cards left now. I've got a pitcher here for the Richmond. I think I've had three teams in this whole pack, Richmond, Syracuse, and Columbus. Yes. Uh, let's see, pitcher for Atlanta with real stirrups and a mustache. I like where this is headed. Randy Kramer. This is not the guy that lived next door to Jerry No, that's Seinfeld. Cosmo. That, that is Cosmo. Oh, that's right. This is Randy. So Randy Kramer played for four years in the big leagues, final year with the Mariners in 1992. So ah. I got that going for me. Yep. Uh, his best year was in 1990 with the Cubs with a .2 war. Uh, let's see. He actually he split it with the Cubs and the uh, Pirates that year, and actually had a minus point three with the Pirates. So I'm going to scrap that and I'm going to go with 1989, where he had a point one. There you go. <laughs> but he does have the real stirrups and the mustache. That'll be a point three. 1989, he went five and nine with a 3.96 ERA. That's not too bad. 111 and a third innings pitch, 52 strikeouts, a 85 ERA plus. Overall, first round draft pick. Not overall, but he was a first round draft pick by the Texas Rangers in 1982. Also uh, played in the CPBL. We mentioned that when he when he does that for the China Times Eagles, where he went 0-1 in two games. So he did not like it. He did the he did the thing. Hey, I'm just assuming he did the thing where he goes there. Yeah, I I can't deal with this. Yeah, I'm not. I I, culture shock. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. I forgot. His final season was with the Mariners. So I'm going to get that's right. All right. So I'm up to 14 even. And my final card is a member of the Richmond Braves. Uh, he does have uh, real stirrups on, which I like that. It is Bruce Crab, C R A B B E. 
Bruce Crab. No clue who that is. Well, it's Bruce Crab, obviously. Well, uh, he did that. not make the big leagues. He spent six years in, or I'm sorry, nine years in the minor leagues, but never got a call up. Uh, 87 through 92, he played in AAA, but then that was it. He did not get a call up. I'm, he's still going to get me a, a tenth of a point for those sweet, sweet sanitary socks I can see. But uh, wow, first round draft pick by the Expos in 81. Didn't sign. Then he was drafted <laughs> many, many times after that. Uh, but yeah, boy, just never uh, couldn't couldn't get that final call up. Yeah, it looks like in AAA he hit two fifty eight. That's about looking at his seasons there. That's about what he did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. So fourteen point four. I'm or fourteen point one. I'm actually really happy with that. Yeah, I mean that's a solid score. You, you got a little help there from yeah. Hall of Famer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I think the uh, the Negro card probably is gonna help me win this one. But I don't want to take anything for granted. Let's go ahead and open up yours. Oh, it looks like Bruce uh, Crab is managing in the minors right now. Oh, looks like he Bruce. was also a coach with the Silver Bullets and is the new manager of the uh, Mississippi Braves. There you go. Nice. Still around. Uh, do you want to lose the top or bottom three? Let's drop the bottom three. All right. So here we go with your cards. We are going to start out with uh, a member of the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. I think this guy looks like a baseball player. Nothing's going to help you out on this card, but Luis Lopez. It's a baseball name, too. Definitely. All right. So Luis Lopez played for two years. 2001 with the Blue Jays, 2004 with Montreal. He had a war of minus 0.6 and minus 0.4. So uh, minus 0.4 or minus 0.6 is a bigger number, right? We're going to go with that. (laughs) I don't like the way this is starting. (laughs) Let's see. So that was in 2004, the minus 0.4 with Montreal. 11 games, he hit 154, struck out nine times, reached base once when he was hit by pitch. That's it. An OPS of minus 12, which I don't think that is good. That's rough. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Luis Lopez. Wow. He played just about everywhere. (laughs) Uh, He played independent ball from 2009 to 2014. So he really stuck with it. Uh, He also played in the Puerto Rican League. Uh, He played in the Venezuelan League. He played in the Canadian American Association, the Mexican League. He played in the Japanese League for Rakuten for one year. I mean, he went anywhere that would take him, and I don't blame him. Absolutely. Wow. Overall, 20 seasons he played wow. professional baseball. And That's only, pretty awesome. Yeah, only appeared in the big leagues in 52 games. Overall, he appeared in 2,436 games. All right. So you're at minus 0.4. I like where this is going. Oh, well, this guy we know. We we've I we know this name. Catcher here for the Edmonton Trappers, Ron Tingley. Oh, sure. All right. So Ron Tingley, nine years in the big leagues. Backup catcher. That's what he did. Uh didn't play a whole lot. Best year, 1995. That would be his final year at age 36 with the Tigers. He had a 0.8 war. Point eight. Hey, you know what? That's uh, that's solid for me so far. Yeah, and for a backup catcher, you know, that's pretty good. Yeah. 54 games. He hit 226, 307 on base, four home runs, 18 RBI. Uh, 
did get thrown out stealing. I'm going to guess broken hit and run. 84 OPS plus. But I mean, that's exactly what you want from your backup catcher, right? You don't care. Any offense is is just a bonus. Right. Absolutely. Wow. He was uh, traded from Cleveland to California for a player to be named later who ended up being Mark McLemore. <laughs> nice. That's a pretty good player to be named later. In uh, 1984, he played on the Salt Lake Gulls. That is, uh, that's a team that I went to a game or two of. Right. I very well could have, I don't know if I was in Salt Lake at that point, but I could have seen Ron Tingley play in the minor leagues. He played so few times the first couple of years that he got called up that he was not, uh, he was designated a rookie up until age 32. (laughs) Well, you know, not everybody can be a 21-year-old rookie hotshot. No, but, you know, again, we're getting a lot of uh, lifers here in this, uh, in these packs, which is interesting. Pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah, boy, he played till age 37. I mean, I get so he played for Lake Elsinore. It looks like he was probably got hurt, played in the California League in 1996 for 13 games and then that was the end of his career. So, all right. Uh your next oh, it's a it's a Denver Zephyrs card. You know what? So, in 1991, that means that uh, Colorado had two minor league teams. They had the Colorado Springs Sky Sox and the Denver Zephyrs. Interesting. Now, this guy I know. Uh it's another catcher who played in the big leagues. I remember him with the twins. It is Tim McIntosh. Huh, I don't recall him. Uh, I'm pretty sure I remember him because he was in the twins organization when I was in. Oh, okay. In Salt Lake. Let me, let me double check, but yeah, he played in Salt Lake in 1994, which is exactly when I would have been doing stuff with the buzz. Uh, let's see. Overall, Tim McIntosh, five years in the big leagues. Uh, let's see. His best war year was a positive 0.1. So you've got that going for you. <laughs> At least it's a positive. Yep. And that was uh, 1991 with the Milwaukee Brewers, his second year. Uh, well, he played five games his first year, seven his second year. He hit 364 for a 197 OPS plus, but and he did hit a home run. So, I, I mean, his uh, his slugging is 727. He has four hits. One was a double. One was a home run. Wow. Tim McIntosh is a member of the uh, Collegiate Summer Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh, nice. The Cape Cod League. He uh, led the league in batting with a three ninety two average for the Chatham A's, which is the team that Freddie Prince Jr. played for in summer catch. Oh, yes. And he played one season uh, in Japan for Nippon, your favorite uh, fighters with ham. (laughs) our favorite yeah all right now this card is going to be wow this is interesting uh it's a it's not a manager card it's a coach's card Ooh. where there are three coaches standing around and all three of their names are on this so this is what i'm going to do i'm going to read you the names i'm going to let you choose one of them they are all wearing real stirrups so that's good news there's three tenths of a point for you right now coaches names i only know one of these names jim dwyer Gorman Heimuller and Paul Kirsch. Yeah, um, I'm going to have to go with Jim Washer and Dwyer. Yeah, he's the uh, he's the only name I know. I'm, I think he was with the the Orioles, where I remember him from. Yep, me too. Jim and D. Jim Dwyer. Let's see. Wow, 18 years in the big leagues. 
Very nice. Eight with Baltimore, five with St. Louis, three with Minnesota and Montreal, and then a couple of other teams. His best war was a 1.5 in uh, 1987 for the Baltimore Orioles. Nice. So let's see, 1987, Baltimore, 92 games, 274 average, 371 on base, 15 home runs, 33 RBI, and a 131 OPS plus. So bad. you're going to get that 1.5 plus the three-tenths of a point for all of the real stirrups in here. <laughs> no mustaches, though. That's a little disappointing. Come on, guys. Yeah. Uh, oh, let's see. He was uh, traded for Pete Lecoq at one point. Oh, another one of our favorites. Yeah. During the uh, 1982 season, reached base 13 consecutive times over four games. Wow. That's, uh, that is pretty impressive. Bill James, who we have mixed feelings about, named him as the number four in his list of the greatest bench players of all time. Huh. All right. So uh, that'll take you up to 2.3. Next, we have got uh, infielder for Rochester, the Red Wings. It's Jeff McKnight. Oh, McKnight got a got a few played a few games. Yeah, so McKnight in his baseball reference picture has got some just the epitome of science teacher glasses, but not on the card. Right. Uh, overall, <laughs> six years in the big leagues: four with the Mets, two with the Orioles, and his best WAR season was a point one for both ninety three and eighty nine. I guess it doesn't matter. You're going to get a point one regardless. <laughs> but uh, one was uh, in only a couple of, let's see, one was in uh, six games. The other was in 105 games. So I'm going to say that 93 was probably his best year. 253 average, 311 on base. He had two home runs, 13 RBI, 72 OPS plus. So that's okay. Second round draft pick by the Mets in 83. All right. So uh, this one might be a point getter for you. Okay. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure that it's going to be, uh, you know, Phil Necro-esque, but it is pitcher here for the Denver Zephyrs, Cal Eldred. I remember Cal. He pitched for a while. Yeah, I remember. I think the Brewers is where I remember him most. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's see. 14 years in the big leagues. Nine with Milwaukee, three with St. Louis, two with the White Sox. And his best war, oh, very nice, 1993, a 4.4. I'll take that. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, that's not too bad. Let's see. That was good for 1993 with Milwaukee. He went 16 and 16 with a 4.01 ERA. Led the league in game started first of two consecutive years with 36, 258 innings pitched, 180 strikeouts, a 106 ERA plus, and that is good for 4.4. Nothing else on this card is going to help you out. First round draft pick by the Brewers in 1989. Then he was traded with Jose Valentin uh, to the White Sox for Jamie Navarro and John Snyder. Huh. John Snyder, of course, from the Dukes of Hazard. Oh, I was going, I thought that was Snyder, the uh, maintenance guy on One Day at a Time. <laughs> one Day at a Time, yes. <laughs> I think he was Schneider. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Now, how many podcasts are going to talk about Schneider from one day at a time? This is stuff you only get here, yeah, folks. This is why we're number one in the uh, baseball. <laughs> in our own minds. <laughs> the baseball history podcast uh, hemisphere where we're named after a production thing. Oh, by the way, Dallas Braden knew what two-strike noise meant. So we've got that. He did. For you. That's awesome. 
Uh, all right, now this one could be a point getter too. So you're at 6.8, I'm at 14.1. You've got three cards left. This is your best shot right here. Okay. Uh, first baseman here with the Toledo Mud Hens. So he's wearing that hat that Klinger from MASH would wear. Yep. Yeah, it's Rico Bronia. Rico. Now in my out of the park baseball uh, replay, Rico Bronia is a Hall of Famer. <laughs> he is just, <laughs> he is off the chain. He, he leads the league in every offensive category every single year currently. Uh, but let's see, Rico Bronia, nine years in the big leagues, four with the Phillies, three with the Mets, one for a couple of different teams. And his best war year was 1995 with a 2.3. Wow, another another solid score. Yeah, so with the Mets that year, 134 games, 289 average, 342 on base, 22 home runs, 76 RBI, and a 119 OPS+. plus. So uh, that's pretty good. Uh, first round draft pick by the Tigers in 1988. And he was then dealt to the Tigers for Alan Zinter. Oh, yes, Zinter. Uh, He played in the PCL. I'm trying to remember. Was he a a Mariners farmhand? Well, he he only appeared in the big leagues uh, two years for Houston and Arizona. In the PCL, let's see, Iowa. He was with Tacoma in 1997. Okay, because I remember the owner of the Tacoma Rainiers always called him Zittner. Well, I've never heard of him, but I have heard of Rico Bronia, and he helped you out there. There you go, Rico. Uh, Wow, initially signed a letter of intent uh, to play quarterback at Clemson University, but chose baseball instead. Hmm. Hit the first ever home run at uh, Colorado Rockies uh, Coors Field on opening day. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. There is, uh, well, I guess he's not hosting it, but there is a podcast focused on Rico Bronia, the Rico Bronia podcast. It's a New York Mets podcast. Very nice. But it does not say that he is on that podcast. All right, so you're at 9.1. Your second to last card is catcher for the Toledo Mudhens, Mitch Leiden. I know who John Leiden is, but not Mitch. John Leiden, of course, Johnny Rotten. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say here, the first name Mitch, you know, it's probably not going to be great. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, war. He only appeared in one year in the big leagues in a war of 0.1. Uh, 1993 with the Marlins, six games, 10 at-bats, three hits, one home run. Wow. Well, good for him. So he only appeared in, in six games in his entire big league career. He got three hits, one of which was a home run. That works for me. Yeah, I, I, I'm jealous. I'm not going to lie. Absolutely. Yeah, he went on to play an independent ball for several years after after being in the big leagues, so respect. Interesting, it says his positions were catcher and pinch hitter. So that one home run uh, was his first major league at bat. Oh, wow. Second pitch he saw in the big leagues, he took out. Let's see, since his big league career, he has been a law enforcement officer in Florida as well as a little league coach. Very nice, Mitch. Let's see, nobody has claimed the Mitch Leiden uh, bio in Saber uh, on Saber's website yet. So if you want it, all right, your last card. You're at nine point two, so you need uh, you need a five pointer here, and you've got outfielder for the Toledo Mudheads, Eric Mangum. Well, this isn't looking good for me. Looks like he never appeared in the big leagues either. So, right. um, he does have a mustache though. It is not a five point mustache though. It is uh, barely a, a tenth of a point. <laughs> What would a five-point mustache look like? Uh, I'm not sure one's ever been grown. I, I don't think so. Yeah, probably not. It's probably impossible. 
Uh, he did play quite a bit. Well, he played in AAA in Mexico. But uh, Albuquerque AAA is as high as he ever got for six games in the uh, States here. But then he went on, I guess he played in Toledo for a little bit too. Thusly where we got this picture from. But uh, a lot of time in the Mexican League where there are no stats listed for him. Right. Um, and he does not have a Wikipedia page nor an IMDb page. So unfortunately, that will uh, level your score off at 9.3. And what that also levels off is the scoreboard. It is now 16 to 16. So we're first one to four wins it now. We, we are in a battle, dog a deathlock battle. Yeah, it's a dogfight. But uh, there you go. Uh, you know, it might not be as exciting as the normal cards, but I like these because we get some different names that we haven't, uh, we don't pull yeah. all the time. So, yeah. All right. So that'll wrap it up for this edition of Wax Packs Heroes. And let's start to wind down. Let's start to wind down this episode. Uh, thank everybody again for listening. If you cannot get enough of us, you can find us all over the internet. We are at Two Strike Noise on all the socials, Facebook. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, all those kind of things. And uh, Mark, we also have an email address that people like to send things to. Sure. You can write to us at two strike noise at gmail.com. Spell it out. T W O strike noise at gmail.com. All right. And be on the lookout for it here in the next week. Mark, this week you and I are going to do a video. Yes. And I don't know, we might, uh, we might do it live and then we'll edit it down, but might be a chance for people to watch us do something live and interact with us on the fly. But we are going to go ahead and uh, look through and kind of relive my time at fantasy camp. And uh, I think it'll be helpful because there are a lot of video, well, not a lot. There are some videos on YouTube about different teams, fantasy camps, but I want to really, you know, go through and, and, and tell you what it's like to, to do one of these fantasy camps and share a lot of these pictures and videos that, uh, that I got from, from here and from other people. So hopefully that'll be fun. You can uh, make fun of the way I run because I apparently run like a turtle. I have just determined <laughs> I, for some reason, my neck disappears when I run these days. So uh, some odd looking pictures that we will no doubt make fun of, but uh, also, you know, cool pictures and stories that I got to, you know, talking from some of the players there. So Sure, yeah, absolutely. So look out on social media. We will let you know when that is going down, if we're going to do that live. Otherwise, we'll probably announce next week when that video will show up. But uh, we want to thank everybody again for listening and uh, make sure to join us next week on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.